Well, guys, what do you think of the new place? If you don't like it, we can we can leave. Rick said, "Let's go." All right, come on the offer. Too early, but you know, it's it's a place that we just wanted to park our hats for a little bit, and we're just going to test it out. And we like it, and it meets our needs. We'll stay. And the minister that we're working with here is is great, and he's awesome. It's a great story, but I'm gonna I'm gonna get to that in a little bit. I may not tell the complete story. If I don't, Karen will interrupt the sermon and tell you that she forgot because she wants to make sure this gets done right. So we're on a series in our in our in our in our church service into the series about love. You know, it love is what makes God's kingdom grow. It's it's all about love. If you have truth without love, it's not good. But if you have love without truth, that's not good either. You have to have both. Both have to be a part of the package. But mainly we lead with love. The more loving we are as people, the more the ability to be able to have deeper friendships with our neighbors, with our coworkers, with our family, with our sons and daughters. Love covers a multitude of sins, the Bible tells us. So what I want to look at today is why is disciple making at the core of what we do? If you've been around a long time, you've heard this term used, making disciples. I'd love to apologize, but I can't. It's always going to be the same because Jesus told the disciples, hey, you have to go and spread my kingdom through love because we want the world to know about God. Now, the reason why that's important, because in Acts 15, there's a phrase there that says, when the fullness of the Gentiles is reached, when the number of the Gentiles is reached. So there's a number, there's a certain threshold that God has in his mind. When that number or that threshold is hit, then the end will come. So it's right there. So God needs us to be loving. So when that threshold gets hit, goes, okay, that's enough. Let's go. And then the new heaven, the new earth combine, and it starts this incredible, eternal, uh, Edenic home that we're going to live in. And there's going to be trees there. You're going to smell the air. There's going to be the ground. We're not going to be in the clouds floating in, in oblivion. That's not heaven. Heaven is when we live on a new earth where everyone is worshiping God. Everyone's in love with God. And God is living on the earth with humanity. That's heaven. Yes, can you play baseball? Yes, you can play baseball. Can you have a job? Yes, you can go to work. Yes, you can do things. It's going to be amazing. But that's another lesson, right? It's at the core because we don't become like Jesus on our own. I like to say we do, but we don't. Just ask your spouse, right? Yeah. You don't become like Jesus on your own. You, you need God and you need others. You need intentional relationships and that we have with each other. So it's at times we look at the Bible together. We read the Bible together and then we live it out together. And it makes us more and more like Jesus. Now, if you're married to someone and they're becoming more and more like Jesus, man, it is awesome. It is amazing to see someone you're in love with become more loving, more kind, more humble, more thoughtful, it's amazing to have a relationship like that. Usually they go backwards. They start out really loving, and then they start to deteriorate over time. But with Jesus, your relationships can grow even stronger over time uh, together with God and with each other. So what we want to, what, the goal is to have a transforming relationship that you have with God, but God gives us each other, and that transformation happens when we're together. You know, there's a story of a guy named Siddhartha Gautama. I don't know if you know that name, but I didn't know this was his name, but he named his kid Rahula, which means to be chained or fed. 
And he had to make this really tough decision. He left his young wife and his young child, and he left the house to go find enlightenment. And enlightenment, he did not want to be connected to anything because to find enlightenment is to be not connected to anyone or anything. And I can't believe how hard it was for him to do that, but he did. And leaving his family and leaving his wife because he did not want the pain to have to leave. If he stayed and left later, it'd be too painful to leave. So he leaves. And his, his followers call him the enlightened one. We might know him better as Buddha. And, and the idea is that the, you, you will hurt less if you're disconnected. You will not feel that pain if you're disconnected. In fact, staying disconnected from ever, anything that can capture your heart, that's to be enlightened. Well, you're not connected at all. Can you guys see the screen? I'm blocking him. Apparently, no one told Paul, Paul the Apostle that. No one told him because he had a he, he Paul Paul did his best to stay connected. He didn't he didn't have a baby boy, but he had a baby church. Paul planted the church in Ephesus, and then he left it for a little while. He was there for three years, and he left and he came back. And they're going to pick up the story when he comes back. But no one seemed to tell to, to tell told Paul as he was going city to city, country to country, planting churches and training up elders to be a, to lead the churches there. And he would lead. And, but yet he was so close. You know, one of the churches he planted was Ephesus, and that's in modern-day Turkey. Pray for them. They had a massive mm -hmm. earthquake. A lot of, lot of um, tens of thousands of people have perished. And they're finding, all, you know, of course, people on the rubble. But pray for the church so they can be a light. Um, so he, get, he, he leaves Ephesus after several years to go and plant more and more churches. And then he comes back because he's headed toward Jerusalem. And he's going to be, uh, he's going to go to Rome because he's fighting for his rights as a Roman citizen. And that means he might have to go face the emperor and then go to prison. So with that knowledge in mind, he stops by the uh, Ephesus church one final time. And it's kind of a goodbye forever moment. You know, um, I do youth camp the last 16 years and the last day is always the worst because mm -hmm. everyone's crying. Yeah. Everyone's like, I don't want to leave. I don't want to go home. And everyone just in tears, the staff, the counselors, the kids, everyone's hugging. It's our last night. We're like, no, this pot, this can't possibly be over. It's like a little piece of heaven. And so the church in Ephesus was an amazing city, marketplace, super busy, a lot of things happening there. And Paul stops in and he sees the the disciples there. And look what look at the look at how the Bible describes their relationship in verse uh, verse 37 here. They all when Paul finished speaking, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. They all wept as they embraced and kissed him. What grieved them most was the statement that that they would never see his face again. You get this feeling when you read that, that this isn't the kind of church where you simply just come and go on a Sunday. Yeah. You sit down and listen, and you just take off and see you next Sunday. You get the feeling that that's not the kind of church mm -hmm. they had. The band of disciples in Ephesus were really connected to one another. How did they get so connected? How did they get to this point where they were like weeping and grieving and embracing and kissing? How did they, how did that church get there? Was a couple clues. Clue number one, 
is it is and how they felt deeply is that there were tears. There were tears. That's the first clip. They cried together. They were vulnerable together. They were willing to be to reveal themselves and not have always showing the, the better part of us. You know, we always try to show the, the, the brave part. Now they were like, hey, like this hurts. Mm-hmm. I'm not afraid to tell you how much this hurts not to see you again, Paul. We're going to miss you. So one of the scriptures I, Lauren, I want to look through here is just what, what happened in this, in this chapter that, that Luke is writing and what he's seeing the interaction of the disciples. He's saying, and Paul's saying, I serve the Lord with great humility and with tears in the midst of severe testing by the plots of the Jewish opponents. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you day and night with tears. And they all wept as they embraced him and they kissed him. Tears. A side that maybe only your spouse gets to see. In this, in this case, the church saw the tears. Mm-hmm. Crying, weeping, hurting. The second clue we have is truth. Paul did not hesitate to teach them anything that would be helpful, that was truthful. He did not hesitate to proclaim the whole will of God, like the whole scriptures, even even the tough parts, even the challenging parts, even the parts that make you feel and squirm in your seat going, oh, it's tough. That's tough to hear. That's a tough. He, he, He said everything with tears and with truth. That is how they bonded, the real tears and the whole truth. So the question is, how do tears and truth, how do they connect people so deeply? It's because they were doing tears and truth together. Look what they did. You know how I lived the whole time I was with you. Doesn't sound like Sunday to Sunday church. It sounds like they're hanging out a lot. Mm -hmm. From house to house, right? From the Garces to the Reyes, right? House, right? To the Swan's house. Right to people's houses, they're they're always interacting. They they have these tears and they have this truth, but they're combining them. They're intersecting them. They're together. They're combined. They were in each other's homes, learning, crying together. You know, I don't know about you, but when you watch a movie and, and someone's crying in the theater, you, you get kind of like, "Well, yeah, oh, I don't." There's a stranger over here, and I'm like, "I'm feeling it too," but yeah. And they're, and they're a stranger. Imagine if you have tears of people that you know, how bonding that is. You know, when you hear about people's medical health and conditions and the challenges, Karen and I cry all the time at home. We're crying because it's, it's, it's just so heartbreaking. It's, so, it's got to be so difficult. It's so hard. And the practice of crying together and being vulnerable together and sharing the truth together, that's church. But sometimes, you know, what if we just do the come and go approach? I just want to come. I don't want to be like involved. And, you know, I don't know if you're old. Remember, remember the Blu-ray, the DVD player? Remember when, the, oh, when yeah. they first came out? Like you had, you had regular DVDs and then you had the Blu-ray. Yeah. And your friend's like, oh, he's got the Blu-ray. And I'm like, oh, he's got the regular DVD. And then they're like, oh, I, I don't want to buy that. My DVDs are good. And then your friend tells you, no, man, your DVDs work on the Blu-ray. You're like, get out of here. Get out of here. And you try like, and you get all excited. Some of you guys don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> if you were around before the screaming era, that's how you did it. You had a little, little disc of DVD and you put it in your car and be like, you'd be like, oh, it's a jam. It sucks, right? 
But and the Blu-ray DVD, it played it like in 4K, and it looked really pristine and yeah. things clear. They didn't have TVs like this. They had them on a DVD. So the Blu-ray, you were, you were convinced, like, oh, I'm going to get one now, you know, because all my DVDs can work on that Blu-ray. I'm going to go ahead and buy one. <laughs> Remember when Facebook first came out? Yeah. Like, I don't want people knowing my business. I don't want the whole world knowing what I'm doing and who. And then, no, 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 man. You can click it where only your friends can see you. You're like, oh, really? Only the only people that I want can control the private. Yes. All right, you get on here, log in. Oh yeah, that's my friend. And you're all reconnected and you're all, wow, this is a whole new world. Remember when it first started, we were all threatened by it. Like, what's going on? What's happening? And then? <laughs> and then? Remember when you had the analog phone? Now I was in college and this building was coming out analog. I was like, whoa, the analog, the flip phone analog. And then the smartphone came out. And then you're like, oh, I don't want to pay double. Like, no, you get a smartphone for half price, man. It's not that expensive anymore. You're like, really? And then you went and got the smartphone. Now you can't get rid of it. Now it's just all over you. Now it's like, it's almost in your skin. You know, <laughs> you love it. You love it. Because at first you were a little reluctant. I'm not sure. But now you're like, I can't wait to, there's a hologram now. I can't wait to have it give me like a little, little thing in my ear where I can just, or my glasses where I can watch TV and walk. I just can't wait. Now you can't wait. But at first you were a little reluctant. And sometimes that's how we can do church. We come to church more, I don't know if I want to get involved. I don't know what it's going to be like. A family group, what does that mean? Like, ooh, little groups, what does this all mean? And you're kind of, you just don't know what you don't know until you get into it. And you're like, oh, I love Facebook. Now I love Instagram. I'm, I'm getting more hip. I'm going to do reels. Now I can do some reels now, put some music behind that. I'm getting a little more into it. Because it was unfamiliar at first. And then it becomes familiar and we can approach church like that i just want to plug in and just come on sundays and just chill and what i'm asking you is like even though you might have a full schedule even though you got a lot going on we can really give church a chance to develop a relationship that we all yearn for we don't want to live alone we don't want to be lonely the older i get my world starts to shrink it's just natural your friends start to pass away and I, I was watching this interview with an older man. He says, what's, what's the sad thing about you? He's all, my world gets smaller as I get older because wow. my friends are leaving and they're passing away. And he ends up living an old, elderly, older life, elderly life, but he's completely alone. Wow. It doesn't have to be that way. It right. doesn't have to be that way. Because we God gave us a kingdom. Mm -hmm. A kingdom. Remember Ken McKee? Uh, 83 years old. Yeah, he's on our. He was on our financial team. He was so helpful. He moved to Sedona. He's part of the church over there. He's he his 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 view of friends have shrunk over over years, but he had the kingdom, so it never shrank emotionally for him because mm. he's got the kingdom. He's got us. We have each other. I love it. You know, the other night we had the the young Marys class of yeah. friends and lovers. <laughs> Amazing. We had about I don't know how many we had. We had like five couples there. Was it five calm? Like four or five comes i mean it was amazing and we had a great time and we're and everyone was just happy to be there we're learning how to not only just start our marriage in love but end our marriage more and more in love because yeah. over time your marriage can get you know you can lose the love it can lose its its impact so it was, it was fantastic it was fantastic if you were rated if, if you were to rate it on a scale of one to ten it'd be a 9.4 <laughs> <laughs> it'd be booming it'd be booming because they're all in love. They're very happy. 
The marrieds are happy and I want them to stay happy. And I want them to be happy for the rest of their marriage. Church is doing tears together and church is doing the truth together. And as Christians, we, we should be at a place where we're, we should be not afraid to tell each other what we're going through. It's a difficult time. It's a hard time. We love this. And that's why doing tears together and telling each other what, what really matters in life. Sometimes we can go off track and we're chasing something that doesn't, it's not really, doesn't really matter for our life. And we're, and we need someone to kind of sometimes remind us that what are we living for? What are we doing? And so we need the relationships because that's important. But you might think, well, I'm super busy. I got a lot going on. I mean, there's, there's really, a, I can't be intentional because I have work. I have school. I have kids. I got, I got, I got bills. I mean, I'm just swamped. Well, let me tell you, the church in Ephesus had a they had a, a theater that could fit 24,000 capacity. Just a theater, sporting events. They'd watch races, gladiator fights, chariot races, sporting events. I mean, they were busy people too until they became disciples and they decided to make this activity their priority. Intentional relationships. Because if you don't make it intentional, you'll just drift. The world will just attract you. And that's what happens to, to all of us. We just can't skim through life. You know, there's a story of this guy named Peter. He was a boy. And he would always be bored. If it was summer, he wanted it to be winter. And if it was winter, he wanted it to be, be, be summer again. He was never happy. He was just so bored. And then one day he was walking through the forest and he ran to an old woman who gave him a, a silver ball. A magical silver ball. And she, and she goes, if you look closely, Peter, there's a little string that's attached to this ball. And whenever you're bored or things are unfun, you can just pull that string and it'll fast forward past that <laughs> unfun and boring part. So Peter, the next day, was in class. And he grabbed the ball, put it in his pocket. And he was like, I'm bored. And he decided to take out the ball and he pulled the string. And it was time to go home. Yes, it's time to go home. So he got his backpack on, went home. It was awesome. And then, he, then the next day at school, he was like, school's boring. He pulled the string a little bit. And boom, fast forward, it was summer. Summer, summertime. <laughs> and he remembered what the lady told him. Once you pull the string, you can't bring it back in. Once you pull it, it's, that's it. So he goes, okay, I don't mind skipping the summer. Then he goes, oh, you know what? I don't want to go through high school. He pulls it a little more. He's in college. He pulls a little more. He's done with college. He pulls a little bit more, and then he's married, has kids. Like, whoa, marriage with kids. Crying. They're fussy. <laughs> the season of sickness. He's working hard, and he tugs more and more. Because, you know, it'd be great when the kids are out of the house. That'd be a great. So he tugs it, and the kids are out of the house. And he began to think for himself, man, I'm living a life that's without boredom and without pain. And he just kept pulling the string. And he begins to feel this different kind of pain. The pain of emptiness. He's white-haired now. Him and his wife are older. And something's missing. And he realizes that the real gift wasn't the magic ball. The real gift was his lifetime. The problem is that he just skimmed through it. Mm. He skimmed through the parts. Is church always amazing? No. Mm -hmm. Church is not always amazing. Is it guaranteed that if you spend more time with church people, that you always walk away with a smile? That's not always true. 
You know it, and I know it. Sometimes you leave this church building, you leave annoyed. Because someone in this room annoyed you. And they have no awareness of how they annoyed you. They're completely unaware, and they will most likely never get it. And so I got to see this person every Sunday, and his lack of awareness is going to annoy me. That's called family. Because think about your family. Think about their lack of awareness. Think about how much they annoy you, but they are your family. Yeah. Don't pull the string of fellowship and just take off after church. Come on. Don't pull the string because you're going to miss life. You're going to miss the beauty of life. You don't want to skim through this gift. The real gift that God gave us is the church, warts and all. <laughs> That's the gift he gave us. This is the gift he sent us. And it's a huge, awesome, amazing gift. And you don't want to get to the point where you look at your life and you realize it as you get older that you haven't been growing up because you miss those parts. You skip through them. Because instead of really doing church, you've been doing something less than church. It's in doing tears together and truth together that we find ourselves not only growing older together, but growing up into something beautiful. That's church. So what are these intentional? What, what, what do we grow into? What do we get? We get to do this. We get to be. We get to grow in every respect the, to the, the maturity of Jesus. From Him, the whole body is joined and held together by every supporting ligament and grows and builds itself in love as each part does its work. If we want to become like Jesus, we have to value the church, not the building. The building is not church. You're the church. Yeah. On Monday, you go to work, you go to the coffee shop, you're at church. Don't ever tell me you don't have a visitor at church. You have visitors at church every day. People, anyone that interacts with you is at church. Mm -hmm. Anyone that you see and bump into is at church. It's amazing. On, on Monday, Karen and I have a Sabbath day. We try to take no. We, we try. We try. We love the church, but if we don't get away, we we will get, we will get swamped and stressed out and burnt out. So we have a day where we're like, hey, we're not going to interact with any of this office. Even though you're our friends, it always turns into like ministry. It it, it just turns. It's just so bled in. It's like friends ministry. It's all the same. It's a big blur, right? So Karen and I, we, we need a Sabbath day, so we need us to kind of separate just to kind of, so we can replenish ourselves, so we can be givers. Amen. So that's what we do it. So if you, if you call Monday and we don't get back to you, it's just following our Sabbath. But if you know me, I'm like, I'll take you back. Because I just, I, I'm addicted to it, right? And that's probably my downfall. I'm just addicted. If you call me, I'll, I'll respond. That's just me. And Karen's like, relax. <laughs> so on Monday is our Sabbath. And on Sunday night, I go, oh, we got our church building, our senior center. I'm going to send out this auto text so I don't have to work on the Sabbath. I'm going to send it every single day for the week. So just to remind the church, we have a new building, senior center, senior center, senior center. And they're just going to hate me for the week. But they can never tell me, I didn't know what church was. Every day. Every day. Because I always get that. What's the video now? I don't want to leave. I don't want to pull the string. I'm pull the string. I want to fast forward. So on my, I say now, I'm like, doing this. Okay. And I never get the text because I'm the sender. So on Monday morning, Karen's saying, oh, we're having a little cup of coffee. We're just, hey, how's it going? What's going on? And she goes, Gio, I've got this text saying the bill. 
the building, the senior staff, we're not even sure we have it yet. I'm like, you know what, should we have them? Show the church the pictures. It's like, it's not locked in yet. What have you done? I'm like, okay, don't panic. Don't panic. Don't get angry. Hey, let's, let's not and I said, honey, we don't want to fight. Let's not ruin the Sabbath. No, you ruined the Sabbath. <laughs> I walk in the deepest place. And she goes, oh my gosh. Now she she calls the, 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 the you know the, the Pleasant Valley people and they tell her, they, they tell her, like, hey, you know, we're not sure. We have to like um call this church to make sure it's okay. Cause if you got your location's right on the same corner, mm -hmm. we're not sure. So like, okay, let's just go get a cup of coffee. Let's just let's just get away. Let's try to redeem. I'm trying this redeem, redeem the Sabbath, right? <laughs> and so we go, we go get a cup of coffee. And we're there at the coffee shop. We run into a sister that we haven't seen in a little while. And she's just going through just a terrible, heartbreaking situation. So for two hours, so she sits there. And I, and I go, hi. And I go, oh, I ruined this out. <laughs> <laughs> what is and Darren goes, no, come on over. I'm like, dang. Dinner pulled up the chair. We thought we were going to be a 10-minute combo. Two hours yeah. <laughs> of just tears oh, doing yeah. church yeah. together, doing truth together. Tears, and it was heart wrenching. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, I wonder how my marriage is going to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, Karen, I'm thinking at Karen's, you know, emotional state. I'm like, it's pretty good, pretty solid. <laughs> solid Christian I got here. All right. <laughs> we, we we close out there, hugs and tears, and and then we we come home, and then you know, Karen got that message about, hey, that we have to ask their church's permission. And Karen's like, Why? and I'm like, oh my God. She's like, I'm just going to call that, I'm going to call that minister. And I'm like, and Deborah led Israel. I cannot get myself to call. I'm like, I can't do it. But Karen's like, I will lead Israel. <laughs> Karen calls this guy, leads a message, calls the secretary, leads a message, and he, and he texts back, hey, hey, I heard you're looking for me. My name is Jeff Rodriguez. I heard you're looking for me. And Karen's like, yeah, we just wanted to know who we are, where we are. We're on the shoreline church. We're going to rent next to you, da, 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 da. And we want, you know, we went there last Sunday. We checked it out. It doesn't look like it's going to be an appearance. We just want to know who we, you know, who, who introduce ourselves to you so you would know us. So oh, thank you so much. You're looking for a church? Hey, I don't know if I'm going to interest you, but I know a place. We rent it out right now. We can rent it to you. It's over on 80 Wood Avenue in Camarillo, off Springville. And, you, and, so, and I got on the phone. And I, and I, then I was like, wait, hey. Hello, Jeff. Hello, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, me right now. Can you meet right now. He's like, yeah, can you meet right now. I'll meet you there. And so he showed us this facility. And Karen, and then we, I think we recorded it, and we caught Isabel. And then right away, we are like, we got to let the disciples know <laughs> that we found something. And if they like it, we're staying. And that kind of is how we ended up here um, in this facility, right off the freeway, paying the same price. And we would have paid the senior center. Same. This is this is obviously a little bit more costly, but the same price. And then um, when I got home that night, you know, reflecting, and I got my like, I, I started I started praying on God, what you you do you when we have a plan, you laugh because God always changes it, mm -hmm. right? God's like that's a great plan, but here's my plan, <laughs> right? And so I got home that night and I was having fun with Karen. I'm like Karen, look at 
I'm like, I, I shared some of that story when Jesus went to the synagogue and was a guy with a shriveled hand. And they asked him, are you going to heal this hand on the Sabbath? I was like, does, not, does God not do good on the Sabbath? <laughs> Karen had a big laugh about it. Not every Sabbath, but you got to be willing to be flexible to do church in tears and truth. Yeah. And if you're locked in, like, I can't see anybody on this day, well, then sometimes you're going to miss out on some tears and truth. Yeah. And I'm so glad that we didn't miss out on the tears and truth. I'm so glad that we got to spend time with that sister and we got to get a new, get a new place and building. So it was awesome. So if you want to become like Jesus, we have to value each other. We got to be intentional with each other. And we got to get close to people so you can have this kind of relationship. You're not going to be close to everybody, but there should be a handful of people that you're close to where you're getting tears and you're getting some, some truth. On, and you know, maybe you need help in your life. Or maybe they see somebody, hey, you're, I think you might be want to consider coming back over here because you're headed that way. Maybe you need to hear that sometimes. You know, we have to become that kind of place. Because how God views and how God feels about the church is that he bought it and he bought it with his blood. Mm -hmm. That's how strongly God feels about the church. The church was worth God's blood. So clearly it's worth our time. Amen. Clearly it's worth our time. Mm -hmm. So let's lean into really doing church together um, that he set up. Let's connect with intentional, intentionality <laughs> relationships. You pick them. No one's here is going to decide who your friends are going to be. You decide that. But you should have really close friends and really good friends. So you can you can cry with and you can share the truth with. And that is the church. Let's pray. Amen. God, thank you so much for uh, the great Paul, the apostle, and the, 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 the literature that's left behind, the scriptures, the, the stories of how to connect tears and how to connect truth and how to connect church, how to intersect all that because of Jesus' blood on the cross and what he did for us and it's awesome and we love it god and i pray you bless um our ministry and bless the disciples bless the teens who are throwing knives right now that no one gets injured but having a lot of fun <laughs> god i pray that we'll, we'll we won't pull the strings when life gets difficult we won't want to fast forward and skim through life but we'll really cherish those moments where we can be vulnerable in tears and truth god i pray that we'll settle our hearts and We'll center ourselves to what's most important, God, in our lives, and that is you and each other, Father. Thank you for Jesus and what he's done for our lives. Mm -hmm. It's in Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. Last week, I left you off with this uh, Old Testament's uh, account of after Solomon and David's kingdom monarchy split and it got corrupt. Uh, it put a lot of the Israelites into inter intergenerational poverty. And so I'm going to continue that, that line of the story. And that, um, and when you read the book of Isaiah, this 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 sadness that happened over God's people, where the where the rich Israelites were oppressing the other Israelites, and one of the ways they were oppressing was in this little account. I'm just going to read you the account. Um, it says there there God calls His people to fulfill the vision of the jubilee and release, at, and release meaning every seven years they would forgive your debt. God had that systematically a part of the economy in Israel, but they, they weren't released from their debt. The, the Israelites did not release their brothers from it. And that's what created intergenerational poverty. Um, and so the way it's outlined in Leviticus 25 and Deuteronomy 15 in their day, 
In this, in this moving passage, God confronts Israel with their current works, which were a cover for oppression, apathy, and greed. He shows them what true service to the Lord looks like. The passage documents what was wrong, what had to change, and the exalted blessing that would come from the people's faithfulness, service to God. They were, they were doing good things, good works. Like they, they kept the tabernacle festival. They kept all the festivals going. But at the same time, they were pressing, didn't care, and they were greedy. So they were, they were doing church, but without tears. They were doing church, but without truth. They were just doing church. And so, no, but these things were, were, they were, it was wrong. And they were careful, even zealous, to observe the daily worship aspects of their faith and profess a desire to know God and God's ways and apply them to God. They were saying all the right things. I love God. I love the church. I love the kingdom. Yet while they were fasting, they were oppressing their indentured servants for the sake of their own ease and riches. They were violating the commands of Deuteronomy 15 about the release of slaves and the forgiveness of all the debt every seven years. They did not send their servants out with payment as required by God, but bound them to perpetual slavery, intergenerational poverty, without hope or compensation, and engaged in cruel fighting and hitting. And God tells them, save your fast, change your hearts. That's what he tells them. And that's kind of the, 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 the Old Testament storyline. And when the slaves cried out for justice, they were defeated in courts by the deceit, deceit of their owners. Because they're Israelites, this is brother on brother. This is Israelite on Israelite. Who ended up shedding innocent blood. They covered this disobedience with extreme shows of outward repentance and public demonstrations of fasting and long prayers, thinking that they could please God in this way. They apparently forced their slaves to work on the Sabbath ooh, so that the owners could pursue their own economic goals and have a life of ease. Their hearts were mastered by the goal of making and protecting their money, even if doing so meant direct disobedience to the Lord. That's where the hearts of Israel got to. And God is trying to change their hearts. All their worship and all their praise and all their singing and all their fasting. But you can't treat your brothers that way. You're, 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 you're foregoing the, the Deuteronomy 15 passages, the Jubilees. You're, 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 you are going way beyond and you're oppressing your brother. I say all this because I'm trying to put in your heart, not just to be a generous person with the church and your contribution. And I hope that you're being generous. And I hope that everyone is participating, right? That's, that's the goal. But not just to church. You should be known by your friends and colleagues and friends as a generous person. Generous. I watched this video one time where a homeless man got $100 from a guy, YouTuber. And he, then he watched the man. He followed the man. And he goes into the store and he buys a bunch of food. That guy follows him to this park and he sees all his friends. He goes, look, guys, I've got us lunch. No. And the YouTuber calls that guy over and then he gives him more money because he was so inspired by what he did. That's a generous person. Yeah. The guy has nothing and yet he's generous. He's poor and yet he's generous. We should be known as generous people. Amen. When they, people think of your you and your name, not in this church, everyone thinks you're pretty cool here, but a generous person like your neighbor, that's a generous neighbor. That's a thoughtful neighbor. That's what you should be known for. Generous. The reason why is because that's what God is. 
and we're the image of God. God is generous. He doesn't hold back the gift of salvation. He wants to give it and give it and give. And so we should reflect a generous spirit. It, maybe it's money. Maybe it's a gift. Maybe it's thoughtfulness. Maybe it's taking in the trash cans. Maybe it's cleaning up your neighbor's neighbor's. Uh, they don't have time to, you know, they're older. They can't, you know, move stuff. Go over there and help them. Maybe it's that kind of generosity. It's not just financial all the time. It's that generous spirit yeah. that I want to put on you guys because that's what you read in the scriptures is a spirit of generosity.